Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. It is Wednesday, April 11th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Steve Say. Sorry. I started choking. I just drank water before we we started, and it went down the wrong pipe. And I had rainbow cookies in my mouth. Steve. Hi, everybody. Uh, Bob Ryer. Guten Tag. And Stephanie Cook. Meow, meow. Mm. So far off to a good start. (laughs) As good a start as we ever get off to. I remember the date and then couldn't speak after I said the date, so um, we're there. Uh, (laughs) We're going to be joined later by Steve Haberman, who is marketing manager for Zenoscope Entertainment. Um, We're obviously going to talk about our books of the week. Um, Before that, I have to talk about a movie that I saw this week, because I know everybody loves when we talk about movies. Mm -hmm. But um, I saw American Reunion this weekend, uh, and... It was extremely mediocre. Uh, Though, I have to say, as compared to the other ones... Now, I haven't seen American Pie movies in eight, nine years, whenever American Wedding came out, whenever that was. Um, So maybe it's not any worse than the first three, but... It just felt like, you know, and I said this to Steve already, you know, when we talked about it this past Mm. weekend, but it feels like hanging out with somebody you knew from high school that you weren't really good or good friends with and you haven't seen for like 10 years. And you're like, it's okay. Like, we, we, it's, you know, it's affable. And, but you don't really have that much to say to each other. And after a while, it gets kind of old. And then the little things that were cool when you were in high school become kind of annoying. So and, it's like <laughs> high school reunion. Yeah, it's like high school reunion. Used to the so that it did step. exactly what it was supposed to do. Yeah, their 13th high school reunion, which is wow. because they're, oh, we missed the, uh, our school missed the 10th. Like, they didn't do well, a 10th? The whole school? Yeah, they what, just didn't do a 10th anniversary. What, an asbestos scare? I mean, why didn't they have They that? have no reason for it. You could have just said it three years ago, you know, or whatever, but... Um, we didn't have the money. No, or the people who wanted to come back. The people who used to be in this movie weren't desperate enough to do, <laughs> want to do the movie again. But hey, now yeah, they are. <laughs> um, the craziest thing, though, is that uh, Sean William Scott, who plays Stifler, obviously... Um, that character, when he's supposed to be between the ages of like 17 and 19, is just like, oh, okay, I could imagine somebody being that ridiculous when they're 17 and 19. But now he's like 32 years old or 31 years old or whatever. And now he just seems like a crazy person. Because <laughs> no adult person acts like that and can get away with it in, in, in the real world. He cracks me the fuck up. He cracked me up in the first two movies, but I, it just... It's you get graded on me in in the thir- in American Reunion. I have I I admittingly I have a soft spot for the American Pie movies. Mm-hmm. They make me laugh. I like there's something about like, I comedies. I'm very particular with, but for some reason or another, I love hijinks mm-hmm. like stupid high school, college. It depends on what it is, but the American, bring it on's your favorite, right? What is bring it on? Bring it on. Oh, bring um, it on is a good movie. God. 
I actually I, watched that like last I prefer week. Fire It Up. Uh, was it Fired Up? Fire It Up. You gotta Get risk it for no. the biscuit. All right, this needs to stop yeah, now. To Carry on. That. American Reunion. I'm losing respect for us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm losing respect for us right now. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just said bring it on was awesome, and then you had to like take it down like twelve notches. No, I no, I brought it is what I did. Uh-oh. No, now we're quoting it. Oh yeah, um, it's just uh, there's not there's not a lot of inventiveness going on. The, the, it gets by on its nostalgia. So the fact that I grew, kind of basically grew up with not grew up with them, but was fifteen whatever when that first movie came out, sixteen or however old I was when that first movie came out. So uh, there's nostalgia wrapped up in it for me, and that was got me got me through, but. Um, as far as a well-written movie, it's just kind of middle and of the road. Who would have thought that Allison Hannigan would be like the biggest star out of that lot? I know it's wow. pretty crazy. She's had a she's never stopped working. Yeah. True. In her in her whole career, which I, I think is is pretty and cool. She's got How I Met Your Mother still going, and yeah, she's I, definitely the most successful of all of them. I love her exaggerated voice for her character, Michelle. Yeah, they all so adorable. That was one of the things that was funny, and I will stop talking about this in a second, but um. Having watching her in a How I Met Your Mother like every week for the last like eight years, yeah. and on Buffy before that, but this is the first time since I started watching How I Met Your Mother that I watched an American Pie movie. So it's really weird to hear her not talking kind of like in her normal voice, mm-hmm. you know. Um, just like Sean William Scott, his Stifler voice is not Sean William Scott voice. There's this no. like higher pitched yeah. kind of like almost whine to it that nope. just grated on me, but. American Reunion, just okay. <laughs> American um, Pie, acting equals changing voices. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right, doggy. That's good cake. <laughs> and Chris Klein is not even believable walking into a room. Like he's just—he's one of the worst actors. He ever. creeps me out. He's he looks horrible. like he was dipped in wax. Mm-hmm. He really freaks out. It's a poor man's Keanu Reeves. Have you ever <laughs> seen um, that awful Street Fighter movie, the second one, The yes. Legend of Chun Li? Yes. He in that movie is like if you took Nicolas Cage. And you took away all of like the kind of weird charisma and charm that Nicolas Cage has, but in one of his horrible movies, that's <laughs> okay. the Chris Klein performance in, in that movie. He's doing all this crazy stuff that makes no sense, but he has none of like that Nicolas Cage kind of charisma. So you don't let any of it. It's none of it's passable. He's just You're a jerk. You're a fake Nick Cage. Get yeah. out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but that's enough about the American Pie cast. Um, let's talk about some comic books. Um, I'm going to start out this week. Uh, it was a tough week, a little bit tough week because I read a lot of books and I enjoyed them all mostly, but I didn't really have a really strong reaction to really any of them in a lot of ways. I really liked um, uh, The Ends of the Earth Part 2, but we already kind of talked about that, so I'm going to talk about it again. And obviously Animal Man and Swamp Thing were great, but we talked about those six million times. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I will say that we also talked about Brilliant, which is another book that I read, um, which was very good and you should pick that up. But I'm going to talk about two books very quickly, that are supposed to be jumping on points for people. And that was um, Daredevil. T- I, know, I, I know I said, said that, whiz. that whiz. That whiz. <laughs> I'm the whiz. Nobody beats me. <laughs> Nobody beats the whiz. Um, is Daredevil 10.1 and Hulk number 50. Uh, I'll talk about Hulk. Hulk. Smash. Exactly. <laughs> I'll talk about Hulk first. Uh, it's This is the Red Hulk, not the Green Hulk. And... The interesting thing about it is that I, I think that if you've been reading any Marvel books, they've really integrated Red Hulk a lot into their universe. And if you've been reading it, you kind of have a loose idea of who he is and what he's doing. Um, the book takes off right kind of after the, that Venom story arc that I talked about well, and mm-hmm. where he kind of went to hell and came back and he's brought something back with him. And it's a haunted Hulk is, is the name of the arc. And I, I feel like they've kind of advertise it as being a good place to jump on 
the Hulk series. And in my opinion, I, I, I guess that's true because there's not a lot of continuity to deal with there and they address continuity and they kind of do a scene with Doctor Strange where he's kind of inside of the Red Hulk's head and so you see stuff that you wouldn't normally know and you kind of get a breakdown with it and it's all sort of natural. I just found the writing to be sort of flat in a lot of ways and it didn't make me want to read, keep reading it. I, I found no interest in the character and... So, you know, I, I think he's probably better off as a supporting character, not the feature character in one of his books. But Bob, you flip through it real quick, and what do you think? Uh, I had started with this whole Red Hulk thing. It was World War Hulk back when Greg mm-hmm. Pak was doing it, and it was the mystery as to who that would be. And when they revealed it, it was pretty stupid. Mm-hmm. I thought, for whatever that's all worth, from years and years of reading the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, now I see him in the Avengers, and I agree as a little strongman character, it's sort of worse. He never, he doesn't do anything. When you said this is a good place to jump on, okay, we'll get some new insight into. Mm-hmm. Is it still a mystery as to who he is, or can I say who he is? No, no, I mean, no, General yeah. Ross. Yeah. And his daughter is the Red She Hulk while we're at it. Mm-hmm. Okay, let, there's a scene where they have a, ooh, just cut out there. You're good, you're good. Uh, where they're together and they're going to share some deep moment, and mm-hmm. it's worth nothing. She hops off at the end, and, mm-hmm. and I'm disappointed because it's Jeff Parker, whose work I like a lot, but it seems like he's really off his game on this one. It, you know, I just, it didn't. It didn't leave me wanting to read it anymore. No, I agree. You know, and, and which is a stark contrast to the other book I'm going to talk about, which is Daredevil 10.1, which is Mark Wade, obviously, and he's been writing it for a while. This this new here here comes Daredevil arc, which is kind of a callback to the original Daredevil, which was called Here Comes Daredevil. Um, if you've been reading the series for a while, this issue is interesting because uh, um, as someone who's been reading it for a while, this is recounting a lot of information that I already knew. Because the whole point one initiative with Marvel is to get people, if you see a point one book, it means you can pick it up and you can start reading that arc from there and you should be able to be okay. Um, I think that Mark Waid does a very good job of wrapping up a lot of exposition in, into into a story and doing it in a really well-written way. Um, it, some of it felt a little much to me only because I knew all of it already, but Bob, you haven't been reading Daredevil at all. so Not what, what, for years and years and years. Right. Um, within three pages... You've got his complete backstory that you need to process this story through. You don't mm. need all the Karen Page stuff and all the other jazz from years and years ago. Mm. His powers, who he is, who his dad was, how the powers work, the representation of them, and his personality, all done in a rather painless, mm-hmm. charming way. Yeah. A very old-fashioned way of just, here's this stuff you need, go for it from here. Mm-hmm. And then he's true to form throughout the book. That's... Matt Murdock, that's Daredevil mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, the way he's writing it. And I like uh, this is I'm going to Stephanie up this name here. No. Uh, go for it. Here we go. The artist's name. It's deep breath. I think it's Koi Fam. Whoa. It's K H O I P H A M. Let me see it. No, that's some sort of a cookie, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> what I really like about the art, and it, it's kind of inconsistent with through different artists in this new Daredevil run for Mark Wade, is that it. It has what I feel to sort of be a kind of, I wouldn't call it a retro style, but it's definitely a more old-fashioned feeling, I think, mm-hmm. style. Um, really intricate p- panel layouts, especially the first page has a really intricate panel layout. Um, and it just has a dynamite cover, too. I think the cover is, like, fantastic. Um, but That was in Covers of the Week. I know. The Daredevil cover. So if you want to see it, it's up on the site right now, talkingcomicbooks.com. But um, <laughs> getting back to the book... Um, I really I don't know what do you think it reminds me sort of um like sort of maybe 
like 90s look or maybe an 80s look to it. I don't know. Like you've got a little the cover particularly is very sort of Miller-esque. Yes, that's that's what I was yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say. But the interior pages some of those are the jaggedy line Frank Miller things but mm-hmm. others are the, are the regular old-fashioned grid. Mm-hmm. And so it's page one page is one kind and another but it, it's not jarring. It's just a way of getting the action to move through the sequence. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like there's they do a very good job of exp- doing doing like exposition. But at the end, they kind of do some exposition just through action, which is Daredevil's called the Man Without Fear, mm-hmm. and you you don't something that's easy just to say that he's the Man Without Fear yeah. because why? Because he jumps off buildings and he's oh. blind. Because Stanley says so, yeah. right? <laughs> and you kind of have to live up to that moniker. It's a moniker mm-hmm. given the character mm-hmm. to live up to him. And in the last couple of pages, there is this confrontation. This not an action sequence; it's a confrontation mm-hmm. um, where Daredevil goes basically into the mount the, into the lion's den and meets everything head on. And comes out pretty on top, and it's against odds, and it's not the thing you think that a character would do. But I think it shows more than almost anything else in the book, more than any words in the book, who Daredevil is and what what he can do. Well, what he without giving it away, he has to hold on to some information, mm-hmm. and there's a good reason he has to because the consequences of it would be very bad. Right. But to to stop. Oh, this is tough to talk about this. <laughs> to stop what could happen, he has to do a little bit of a tweak to yeah. his own little idea, mm-hmm. and it just works so brilliantly. Yeah, it's a great series. I've been reading it for a while now, and um, I would definitely pick it up. I th- I'm pretty sure that the the first volume of the trade is out now, um, which I think is one through six. I think. Um, would that have that issue we talked about a couple weeks ago with the bus? The Christmas issue? Yeah. Uh, no, it will not have that issue. That, oh, that was bad. the issue after. I think. I'm not sure. I haven't looked for the trade okay. yet, so I'm not sure. But it is really, really excellent. And it's definitely a series that you guys should pick up. Um, sure. Um, and uh, Bob, why don't you talk? Actually, you're kind of going off the Hulk thing a little bit because the guy who wrote your book wrote Yeah, Hulk. Yeah. Uh, my book is definitely not a jumping on point. It's, <laughs> it's Thunderbolts, which is now at issue 172, written by Jeff Parker. And this has been coming out, it seems like, every two weeks lately. But it, uh, the artist at this point is Declan Shavley, uh, though he's alternating with a guy named Kev Walker. And this is the 15th anniversary of this book, which began as an, uh, an aftermath to Onslaught which came when this X-Men villain wiped out the Avengers and the X-Men, and they went into their Jim Lee universe for a while. And it was uh, uh, Kurt Busiek and Mark Bagley at that point came up with the idea of, okay, what if villains pretended to be heroes with different identities, but were really doing villainous things, but just trying to find a way to get over a little bit? And through a couple of different artists and writers over the years, there's something that really, really worked. And eventually, even with the Dark Avengers, the Osborne thing, it was certainly taking off on that, and he ended up taking over for them. Um, at this point, we've come all the way back around. They're part of an initiative uh, at the big prison that Luke Cage is actually running this program. And it's another new set of villains. There are a couple from the old days. They, Some of them have decided, I don't like being a prisoner, even if I have to get out and do stuff every once in a while. So they've tried to escape, and they've discovered they've escaped through time, mm. and then are bouncing forward to the point in this issue they've now met themselves. Hmm. So we get into this big brouhaha, is the only way to put it, and how are we going to really screw up this timeline? Because now we're meeting each other, but we don't remember meeting each other before, so what just happened? Oh, it's somewhere else. 
It's a really fun series, but you're going to have to go back. Steve is laughing at my little pile of books here. I think it's hilarious that every time that you bring something in to talk about, you don't just bring the issue. You bring, like, the entire run from, like, <laughs> the, the year and a half behind. It's so mm -hmm. funny. I love it. So what it is here, it, it's why this isn't a great jumping on point. Mm -hmm. Though the issue before sort of was. It's a very quieter issue with uh, Songbird, whose actual real villain name was Screaming Mimi. <laughs> <laughs> which is why she's now called Songbird, because Screaming yeah. Mimi is just a pretty lousy name. Yeah, it's um, you, you have to go back at least six or seven issues to get the gist of this. You Woof. really need to go back about 15. Mm -hmm. But it's never felt through all this run forced. If you've been reading issue by issue, you can pick it up, and each issue just flows into the next. He, he is very good, which is why I'm so disappointed with the Hulk, mm. that here you can pick it up. But if you've been reading, even though it's so convoluted, it's, I get it. Okay, here we go. There's a reason that the man thing is in this book. He's their gateway to all these other places. They have to go to beat up other villains and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. And, and he just shows up and he's there and they fry him and he regrows. And Satan is in this now. And Mr. Hyde, for some reason, has an English accent, which somebody else gave him, and somebody else brings it up here. When did you get an English accent? Because <laughs> he's actually not. He's Calvin Zabo. Anyway, I'm, I'm now rambling. Anyway, um, <laughs> if, you, if you go to a con or you, your local store has a sale and you can buy some back issues of Thunderbolts, do it. I think you'll, you'll enjoy it. Very cool. Awesome. Indeed. Um, so we're going to move to D.C. for the other half of this Book of the Week. I want Stephanie to go first. Stephanie to go first. It's, this is going to be a negative side of this Book of the Week, too, for both of you. <laughs> it's Ragecast. Um, Ooh, I like this Interesting part. discussion, because I think we've all read. Stephanie, why don't you talk about your Book of the Week in quotes? Yes. <laughs> um, so... For all of you that have been following the podcast, you know that I just moved from Prince Edward Island, and I'm kind of behind on the DC-52. Um, so I decided to sit in a lovely cafe and read some stuff today. <laughs> and um, I, I, I opened up... I love the way you set the stage. What? <laughs> a lovely cafe. And I've got a the mental picture. Cafe in which I got kicked out of because I was so angry about this comic because <laughs> I started swearing and cursing and throwing things like the Hulk. Anyways... <laughs> Not Stephanie true. Smash. <laughs> I was just about to do that. Sorry. No, no, it's good. Anyways, so I picked up Catwoman number one. And, um... What? <laughs> Nothing. Fun. I'm just... Bob, Bob made a uh -oh. grumbling. I'm making a grumbling noise. Oh, okay. I thought there was an actual comment. I thought it was from Steve, actually, for a second. I can't see you guys. <laughs> Anyways, so I, I, I was excited for this because, you know, Steve, Steve said it was good. <laughs> uh, so, go on I'm, no no no. i'll say my piece when you're done i know i'm just building it up <laughs> anyways so uh judd winnick and gillam gillam march uh are the team on this one and i love i love gillam march's art he did uh gotham city sirens and lots of other stuff yes. and if i can say anything about this book that's nice and i'll get the nice stuff out of the way right now it's that it's very very pretty but that's it this book oh. reeks. It is the worst. <laughs> it smells like poop. <laughs> and Tell us how you really feel. Oh, like it's one big soft core porn. Oh, like it's just the whole opening page is boobs. Literally, it's boobs. Mm. Oh, here's panel one. Oh, Selena's boobs. Oh, panel two, boobs. Oh, three. You can't even see her face because it's more boobs. <laughs> Oh, wait, there's four, and there's cats. There's cats and a little bit of boob. There's one boob. So, um, 
Yeah. I, I, uh, I don't it, even know. Like, no story to this. It's just. No, 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 no. Oh, don't even start with me. I, you can no. say your piece afterwards. Zip it, you. <laughs> <laughs> to say that there's no story Listen. is untrue. Yeah. Miss Cook has the floor right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah, well, Miss Cook has got to say something more than boobs. <laughs> well, you know, on page two, there's a little less boobs and some dude with a weird skull mask. And then they're shooting, and then we see a leathery Catwoman butt. <laughs> I mean, see, it's that. not boobs; it's butt. Oh, uh. Wait, and then page three, she's jumping out of the window, and she's fallen out of her suit, and there's boobs. That is such an awesome full page. I oh, love wait. it. Oh, and then what's the title? And most of the costumes stay on. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, that's the title of the story. Yes. I said that the podcast long time yeah. ago. Yeah. Continue. Well, Continue. I'm entertained. So I, I don't even know where to begin. Like, art is so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so sad because at some points there's actual genuine emotion, like, between her and uh, her friend, Lola. Lola? Yes, yes, Lola. And I enjoyed this moment where she's talking to Lola and she's getting to know her and kind of... Um, being a little vulnerable with asking her for help and just sort of getting herself unstuck from this situation she's in. So then the next page, you know, it goes from her being vulnerable to her being in this Russian mobster club thing. And she's talking about how, you know, she could pose as one of the working girls, but, you know, she doesn't feel like getting groped. Not that she doesn't feel like getting groped. She feels like getting groped, just not by these Russian mobsters. <laughs> and it, it actually does say that. Wow. So, yeah, I believe... Well, uh, I, I, not, it actually says, not that I mind being groped, or even by dirtbags. It's just the combo that I can do without. <clears throat> um, See, there's, there's a grumbling noise. That was me. <laughs> so... Uh, Anyways, I'm I'm not gonna go much more into like the story and all that stuff, but Batman comes into this, and then the last um well, like quarter of the book is a sex scene with Batman. So uh, there yeah. you have it. The Fuck famous. Catwoman. <laughs> this right. is the worst. I am so disappointed. All right, Steve, Steve rebuttal. Rebuttal. Um, I know you like boobs and all that. I do. <laughs> and all all shapes and sizes, even if they're just ink and whatever. Anyway. No, not that, I mean, I I am a little bit of a deviant, but that's that kind of stuff doesn't phase me. It doesn't bother me. I, I, I can see where it would offend Bob, who's been with the character for much longer than I have, mm -hmm. that her becoming oversexed would, would be an issue for him. And with Stephanie... Uh, possibly like the objectification of what even like, I mean, all right. I, well, I mean, there is the thing with women in comics and all that, but I don't, I've never, ever, ever had a problem with it. Like I've always just felt that it's, you know, a way for them to sell comics. And I, I get that, but this is yeah. too much for me. All right. This, this isn't a story. This is soft core porn. Well, if you, I know, I mean, you probably won't, but if you bothered to read the, my issue with, my issue with Catwoman currently is that I don't like the new arc at all. Um, I liked the first six issues and then beyond that, I got very bored with it. Um, but that being said, 
the first several issues, they get very, very deep into her character. I mean, you keep mentioning the boobs and, and the groping and this and that. Like, aside from those things, there's a very, very wounded and deep-rooted story that goes on within those six issues that she loses somebody that's very close to her. It's her fault, and it's her going through all of the emotions of accepting the fact that what she does has consequences. Well, how does that justify number one? Because that hasn't happened yet. It's just... It's just... They're telling you who she is now and unfortunately a lot a of people skank? yeah well you know there's gonna be people that are gonna see it that way and then there'll be people like me who doesn't really care about that angle I'm- there's nothing wrong like I-, I will say this just because i don't want you know anyone being upset with me there's nothing wrong with like women and men sex whatever but like it's just i i don't want when i come for a story about Catwoman, this isn't what i really anticipated like in one thing She's making out with Batman, and this is what it says. He tastes like metal. He uses an ointment or something to keep his exposed flesh safe. I've grown to <laughs> like it yeah. a lot. Like, fuck that. What is that bullshit? You sound like you're no. sitting in a league of their own reading it on the back of the <laughs> yeah. bus with a girl who can't read. <laughs> it's like a cheap Harlequin novel. No. 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 Judd Winnick, no. no. Well... Let me just ask you uh, ask you a question, Stephanie, about your dislike of the book. Um, uh, how about aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln? How did you like the play? Is, that, <laughs> is this what this moment's going to be? Um, no, it's just. I mean, I can see uh, where you're coming from. Um, I think the book, if the book wants to be a book about real emotion, then it needs to realize that if it puts this kind of more trashy foot forward, that it's going to be tough for people to find that. Um, and I do think the first issue is much more about Flash. And stuff. My thing reading it, the only reason I didn't have I didn't have adverse reaction to it, I didn't don't love it e- either. It's just to me, it just seemed like Catwoman. Uh, you know what I mean? It just that's that's the Catwoman that I kind of know. You know, well, so that's all. You know, I, I flipped through it in the store, mm-hmm. and because there was a very pre buzz about how awful this was going to be, mm-hmm. and it was back in the I guess it's the early 90s, a guy named Jim Ballant was drawing Catwoman and drew her in such a way that she couldn't have walked without falling over forward. Her uh, endowments were so large. It was just ludicrous. And this, this book took that to the other extreme because now we got bum shots and bust shots and <laughs> bum shots and, and everything else you could imagine and her uniform zipped down to nothing mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and a, a horrible dialogue. Mm-hmm. And she can be sexy. Being slutty is now something different. Now, you just lent me the Kevin Smith Widening Giant. Mm-hmm. And there, it's it's a whole relationship issue, Batman and somebody else. I don't want to give anything mm-hmm. away in case someone's not read this. And there's some wonderful Catwoman stuff, very playful, mm-hmm. argumentative at times, mm-hmm. uh, demanding, protective. All the aspects of her personality are there. And it's a sexy character, but it, that didn't have to be... Right. What's in this book? Mm-hmm. It can be done the other way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, mean, I'm I can saying. get. Oh, no, go, no, go, 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 step, go. No, go. I was just going to say, like, I can get past, like, this over sexing and just her clothing and everything, but it has to balance out in the story. Mm, and absolutely. I mean, I did, like, I started to feel something for, like, Selena Kyle when she was, again, with her friend Lola. And I started to feel like the story could turn around, but. It just had, it was like 
a page and a half of this, and then it went right back to what made me angry about it in the first few pages. They, and they, I just, they I don't do know. build on it, but um, she's not reviewing the whole arc. She's no, I know. Yes, one, I've just... only read this first one, and but if I was to go on just this first one and not have someone else tell me that it gets better, I wouldn't read this ever again. Mm -hmm. It uh. is so disappointing to me as a fan of Catwoman. So, I mean, like, yeah. it's just, I don't know. I was seriously disappointed in case you guys didn't pick up on that. <laughs> no, I, I thought, I thought <laughs> you loved it. I thought you loved it. Yes. Um, this is... Um, your book you of the know. week. <laughs> Yay, everyone. <laughs> meow, meow, meow. <laughs> so staying on the negative train, um, we're going, and we're staying in the Batman universe as well. Steve, your book of the week. Fuck Batman Detective Comics. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've been reading Batman Detective Comics since we started, uh, the Talking Comics project and podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was one of the books that, uh, no, I was assigned Dark Knight. Somebody else was assigned Detective. I think it was Brian. Brad? Brad. Okay. Well, I started reading it, I guess, when he, um, when he left and I took it over and I'd been reading it anyway because it's Batman and I love Batman. However, um, the only Batman runs so far in the new 52 that i think have been worth it i've been reading all of them uh and well actually no not all of them all right of the ones that i've read mm -hmm. batman and robin i think is very good mm -hmm. um started off a little a little bit you, you gotta kind of work your way into damien's character but it turned out to be really good mm -hmm. uh you know when all was or you know as it's progressing mm -hmm. scott snyder's batman no brainer the best one of the bunch. Now, the thing with Detective Comics is this. This is issue number eight that I'm talking about, by the way, which leads off with uh, Catwoman, who we were just talking <laughs> about, under the influence of a certain uh, fear toxin from Scarecrow. She's freaking out. Batman shows up, sprays her with the antidote. That's done. Great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We move into a conversation with Jim Gordon. He's not happy about what's going on. Blah, blah, blah. And, oh, guess what? We have to go after this guy named, I think his name was Digger Jones. Mm -hmm. Some uh, some low-life dog, uh, was that? Dog wrestling with the... Dog, dog fighting. Dog fighting. Dog wrestling. Dog <laughs> wrestling. I pay to see that. He's yeah. a professional yeah. dog wrestler <laughs> like, guy, right? Yeah. They and, do interviews uh, and wear masks. Mm -hmm. So I just, I'm reading this, and I'm like, where is this going? Where is this going? Ah, Scarecrow, mm -hmm. my favorite of all of the Batman villains. Awesome. With the exception of Harley Quinn, because she makes you laugh. But <laughs> Scarecrow shows up, and suddenly I'm, I'm pleased. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, yay. And I'm reading... And I'm reading. I'm waiting for something to happen. And he's like, hey, Batman, I've got three tasks for you. I need you to go pick up my dry cleaning. I need you to go, you know, if you want to rescue this person, you've got to go pick me up celery from a, from a food store and shit. <laughs> like, he gives him these things to do that not only does Batman take care of them within, like, half a page, mm -hmm. but it was, like, the easiest shit for him to do it's Batman, mm -hmm. and you've got him doing these menial tasks that anyone, anyone in the in the GCPD could have done, 
And Batman's running around, and it's supposed to be this like clever, you know, plan by the Scarecrow. And what we discover is that there's like doppelganger scarecrows stationed throughout the city. Okay. Batman beats the shit out of them mm-hmm. in like a page and a half. And I, I, I guess I don't want to... I hate the book so much. I don't want to spoil, spoil things ahead. for people. Go ahead. Well, no. You don't want to spoil it because if people are reading it and right, are enjoying it... You know, let's put it this way. My chief complaint with this portion of the book... We'll get to the other portion of the book after. But my problem with this is I've never read anything. And granted, I've only read so much. But I've never read anything that involved the Scarecrow that was boring. Mm-hmm. This bored the shit out of me to the point where I no longer want to buy Detective Comics. Mm-hmm. The only reason that I'll even buy the next one is because it's part of the the Night of the Owls that that big arc. Are they? Are, is it part of it? I think it is. I don't think. I think Detective is one of the books that's yeah. not part of it. Well, then Kalu Kalei, <laughs> because I won't have to spend another four dollars mm-hmm. on this piece of crap. Well, the only <laughs> so, scarecrow moment he has is in the first couple of pages, and he's not even in it. No, because Catwoman's been sprayed with his junk. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let awesome. me rephrase that. Quote, quote well, of the week. Oh, yeah, it might as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I apologize. That, don't, apo- don't never apologize for that. <laughs> that was awesome. We had a gem from you uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Like, oh, this is great. It is. <laughs> so, and my, yeah, my problem is, is that it's boring. And also, Detective Comics seems to be forgetting that they set something up in the first arc, the first couple of issues that is still going on that never went anywhere. Mm-hmm. They didn't... Oh, it's old news, so I'll tell you. Uh, Joker has had his face removed. Right, and it's yeah, being yeah. held in the GCPD. That has to uh, ties into Suicide Squad, which, after reading, was pretty damn cool. What? No. She didn't like Suicide Squad either, apparently. I no, I didn't one. like it. Let me put it this way. I didn't really get into it up until the last two issues when they started the origin of the hunt for Harley Quinn. Has yeah, been really, see, really cool. I'm not cool. going to waste my money. Well, you don't have to because I'm reading it. <laughs> anyway, you don't have to like everything that I like. It's cool. Carry on. Carry on. Ooh, she's mad at me now. <laughs> no, I'm so not. I, I read, that was the other DC 52 book I read today. That was a number one. And of the two that made me, it's you know, seriously angry, I obviously chose to rant about Cat Yeah, Woman. no, it's not. I don't like Deadshot. I hate the King Shark. It's one of the stupidest characters in the DC Universe ever. Anyway, um, it's just, it's boring. Mm-hmm. It, I, and I can't believe that I was sitting here reading a Scarecrow story, and I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Is this over yet? And it was so bad, in my own personal opinion, you can have your own, but it was so bad that when it was done, that I shut the book. Mm-hmm. Not even realizing that they split the book up into two separate mm-hmm. stories, like they did the issue before this one mm-hmm. with the penguin. Mm-hmm. Now, we just sampled the other story, which is the Harvey Dent portion of this book called uh, Welcome to the Dark Side. It's and, dark. Yeah. And that's exactly. <laughs> now, I don't mind, I, I, I like the art style of uh, Simon Kodransky, but I don't. It's so dark mm-hmm. that, with the exception of like, even the first page is a little dark, but at least it's cool looking. But the whole rest of it, you you waste, like Bob said, you waste six panels on a spinning coin. Mm-hmm. It's dialogue and a coin spinning, wasted yeah. wasted space. Um, Followed by 
there lots of shots of people in black clothing. It looks like in coal mines. Yeah, it's dark. It's dark as shit. Like I, I can't. Not oh, only that. what's that panel right there? Tell me what's going on there. They're they're interrogating someone. Stuff's going whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the point the point being is that Detective Comics has probably gotten my money for the last time, unless I hear otherwise. Mm-hmm. I've been in it for eight issues. I hate to let a Batman book go, but after soiling the Scarecrow for mm-hmm. me in this in this run, and it just. Ultimately, being a boring Batman run, mm-hmm. it's just not worth it anymore. Just and let it go, Steve. I am, <laughs> and I don't let nearly anything go. Mm. I buy every week stuff that I haven't even read yet. Who mm-hmm. you? Oh yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> you've seen no you've way. seen my Twitter pictures of like she's, all the crap. She's taking you on. She's. She I knows. am. This it's is. True. I know. Being this is sarcastic. how we. Okay. This is how we, we play. Have this, this thing is, called sarcasm in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, Stephanie, and I have been together for a while. We're friends, and we this is how we this is how we bat the ball back and forth. Anyway, it's it's a, it's a, it's if Brad was here, him and I would would collectively give it the stamp of poop. The stamp of poop. It's terrible. Batman Detective Comics. Stamp yeah, of poop. I'm I'm done. Sorry to uh, Tony Daniel, but Tony S. Daniel. Daniel S. Tony S. Salvador Daniel. Yes. Um, I'm just not digging it. Mm-hmm. And I usually dig Batman, and I certainly dig Scarecrow. Mm. I am not digging this. I uh, I give up if there's issue two, so. Well, you'll, you'll well, last a well than sir, I then, then I am deeper into the hole than you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I think that's it for our book of the week. Um, we are going to move on to our next segment, which is our topic of the week. We're going to be talking to Steve Haberman. Uh, marketing manager for Zenoscope Entertainment. So we'll be right back with Steve right after this. All right, we are back, and we are joined by our very special guest, Steve Haberman, marketing manager for Zenoscope. Hello, Steve. Hey, how's it going, everybody? It's going good, pretty good. good. Um, we'll try to get confused because now we have two Steves on, on the show. I think we'll be worried about Zenoscope. Absolutely. Um, So thank you very much, Steve, for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all. I'm I'm excited to uh, chat chat about some comics with you guys. Awesome, awesome. So before we dive in, I know Steve has a lot of questions. Um, He's very into Zenoscope and has been reading a lot. I wanted to ask you, just for people out there who maybe haven't read um, any of the Zenoscope books or don't know what it is, um, who are you guys and what do you do? Uh, well, that's a giant question with a uh, <laughs> probably a long long answer. Uh, Zenoscope Entertainment, we are kind of a fringe, top-tier comic publisher. Um, mm. We float around the top, inside the top ten uh, in comic book publishers, but we're not a, uh, you know, tights and capes comic book company. Uh, we specialize in uh, Grim Fairy Tales, which is our, you know, uh, pilot and, and starting uh, line. And the, basically what we do is we put a horror spin on classic stories, on classic fairy tales. Uh, we do the Grim Fairy Tales with focus on, you know, a variety of fairy tales. Uh, we have the Wonderland series, which is a retelling of the universe that is Wonderland through a more horrific scope. And uh, we've done other things as well. Uh, we've reimagined, you know, Piper. Uh, we've just launched a Jungle Book. 
And then um, we have also done some other things with a the Silver Dragon books line, uh, which is uh, all ages. We do something uh, Jurassic Strike Force Five, which is kind of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Dinosaurs of the future. <laughs> of the future, even better. suits. <laughs> um, and, you know, and then we do uh, the Monster Hunter Survival Guide, which was more of an actual uh, book rather than a uh, graphic novel. It was more mm. kind of the story of how to survive uh, running, against a ver- running up against a variety of different uh, monsters. So uh, we do have a wide variety of stuff, and... Um, we're only growing. We started in 2005 with uh, co-founders uh, Ralph Tedesco and Joe Brusha uh, with the Grim Fairy Tales. And uh, this year we'll be uh, publishing the 75th issue of Grim Fairy Tales, which should be out right around the perfect timing of San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> and then uh, we've got, you know, as I said, Wonderland is our uh, bread and butter right now. A lot of people are really into the Wonderland series and the Jungle Books, which just launched and uh, actually just sold out. Uh, we'll actually be breaking, uh, that's, uh, we're breaking news here. <laughs> um, the Jungle Book first issue uh, did sell out through uh, distributors. So uh, we're excited about the new stuff as well as the old. Awesome. That's great. Um, it's funny because, you know, the whole fairy tale thing is a little in vogue right now. You know, with Once Upon a Time sure. and then with the two Snow White movies that are coming out. So... It's interesting that, I mean, I know it's not, you guys didn't plan that because you guys have been doing this for a while, but it's maybe interesting that, that the kind of mass market kind of purview is starting to line up with yours in a way. Yeah, and I mean, it's definitely a plus for us, for people that are interested in those series and want more. But it's also, you know, uh, every month we talk about our strengths as well as our weaknesses, and I think it has to fall into... Uh, you know, like our, our where places where we can grow and places where there's a threat. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are we were the only people doing it not too long ago, and now uh, everyone seems to be doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's it is an interesting place to be in right now. We certainly feel as though uh, we've created a a a few universes that people can enjoy, appreciate, and uh, really get into, and that are very unique to Zenoscope. So um, as much as you know. We think everyone should, you know, celebrate, you know, uh, being copied because we certainly, you know, see that, you know, there are there are other people seeing that that what we're doing is working and other people are giving it a try. But uh, but we're happy to we're happy to have competition. And I think it's only leading us to uh, bring a more quality product forward. Awesome. Great. Um, I actually just realized you said 2005 that you guys have been around, right? Yep. Wow. So I've been reading you since year one. Just there you go. Yeah, no, I just realized that. Oh, that's pretty awesome. I was actually and, on the ground floor. That's, yeah, yeah, that's you cool. were the first. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I still know. I still, I still have all of my uh, like one through forty something of uh, of Grimm's. I was following that for a long time. That was actually the only thing that I was reading hmm. in comic books when I strayed from them for so long. The only thing that I was still reading was Xenoscope stuff. So, uh, so I mean, what? I had everything from Grimm's. I was reading. Uh, the early issues of Salem's Daughter. I was reading um, even Willow, uh, Willow Creek, which only lasted about uh, three issues, but was awesome. So, um, but anyway, we're here to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff that you guys uh, that you'd mentioned that you guys have coming out, and uh, one of them was The Waking, uh, Dreams End. And mm-hmm. my question was, what was um, like? How did that come about? When did you decide that there was going to be uh, another volume of that series? 
Well, I think uh, we have, you know, we have our very talented writer, Raven Gregory, to thank for that. Um, he he brought the first series forward as, you know, a kind of a creator-owned um, storyline that, you know, it wasn't a Grim Fairy Tales book. It was, hey, we want to do zombies at a time when zombies, you know, have, have blown up. And I think Ralph, uh, when speaking to Raven, said, you know, what, what makes this different? And we came to realize, you know, what Raven's or Maimon's brainchild was, was not a story as much about zombies as it was a story of redemption and a story of, you know, the, the difficulty of letting go. Yeah. And um, I think so. For those, for those people who have not read Waking, it's basically the story of, you know, uh, instead of zombies just being, you know, mindless creatures that come back from the dead... Our twist on that is that it is uh, people who have been murdered who come back to life to re- seek revenge against the people who have oh. killed them. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was cool. That is, that is pretty much the, like, when it comes to a pitch line, that's pretty much the easiest one to sell. Because, right. you know, like, I'm sorry, so I kill a guy, and he's going to get up, and he's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, how many uh, issues is that, is that planned for, for the return of that? Um, I believe uh, we're going to do another, you know, collection, a miniseries collection. I believe that'll be another uh, four or five uh, issues. Uh, we have not um, solicited all of them yet mm-hmm. uh, through. Uh, now, I, I, as I am the marketing manager, I also handle, you know, um, I'm the webmaster. I, you know, update the website with all of our new books and I... I work with uh, Diamond as our distributor to, you know, get the announce what books are coming out. So I, I don't know if we've solicited all the books for the complete collection yet, uh, but I believe it'll be four or five uh, stories. Awesome. Do you know if, um, like, is there going to be a, a final? Maybe you can't give this away, but will there be a finality to the story, or do you think that it'll continue beyond uh, this run? Well, um, I would say that I think one of the things Zenoscope is good at is making a story complete um, from you know beginning to end of our graphic novels. So you can pick up one of our graphic novels and feel like you've gotten a full story. Right. You don't have to move on. You don't have to go on if you don't want to, but you can. Uh, so I would, I, I would say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very cool. Um, let's move on to the Jungle Book. I was curious, I was thinking about this this morning, and, I mean, Kipling's Jungle Book just seems like a, a very... I mean, like a genius, but obvious way uh, for you guys to, to break into another series. But who who was it? And like, what happened the day when somebody walked into the office and was like, we're doing Kipling's Jungle Book. Who's with me? Like, what was what was the reaction uh, from everybody when you decided to uh, to make that happen? Uh, well, I would uh, we our writer for uh, the Jungle Book is actually Mark L. Miller. Uh, and Mark L. Miller is um, a writer for Ain't It Cool News, and he, I, he and Raven, I believe, um, began discussing, you know, writing for Zenoscope and what, you know, what he would be interested in doing and what we'd be interested in taking him in on. And I think he, he was the first one to pitch that. Now, um, I will admit to uh, the fact that I've only been with the company since December, so uh, that that decision uh, happened before I, I joined the team, but. Uh, Mark L. Miller was the writer, and he, you know, he wanted to write a story about a a, a epic animal war, an animal battle, and I think 
Kipling's Jungle Book was a perfect world for that. Mm. So we wanted to allow for him to tell his tale in a environment that made sense for our fans and our readership. Mm. So as you said, if Jungle Book made a lot of sense for a retelling, but there was a story that was prepared. Like, you know, Mark really had a a plan in mind and he just was then given this this dynamic world, dynamic universe to tell his story. And so then it, it kind of grew from there, you know, bringing in the uh, the female Mowgli, bringing in the children who, you know, go on to the different um, animal clans and seeing those personalities, the the way that those uh, those characters and those, yeah, those kids uh, grow up. Um, so it is a very interesting world. But um, I would say that, you know, Mark Miller had that dream of that, you know, that battle to tell that story. And um, and Kipling's world was just where we we felt it would be best suited. Yeah, it totally. I mean, uh, I mean, you're talking about source material, and you have the Grimm's fairy tale stories. That's rife with possibilities. Now you have the Jungle Book. So, Bob, you got a question? Well, actually, it's a, more on a, on the marketing level for that book. Was it had multiple covers? Yes, the variants. <laughs> That's one, correct. One of the covers struck me as as so different to the interior art. It was very sort of like a Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, good girl art sort of cover that didn't really reflect what was going on inside. Did that, I don't know if you can track which covers sold in which way, but would that have gotten you more readers on one side or lost it on the other sort of thing? Uh, when you're talking about, so I, I believe you're talking about the the uh, busty young lady. Yeah, that's, that's the one. Yep. <laughs> yep. Cover well, A. <laughs> cover A. a. Okay. Cover A, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> or cover double D. Exactly. In some senses. I would say that there's definitely a Zenoscope fan base that is interested in in the cheesecake covers, and that's that's been something that our company has had for for quite some time. Um, we we still you know offer that, mm-hmm. um, but we didn't want to be a company that was defined by. You know, just how much skin are we going to show you? Just how often? Yeah, Lady Death covers exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we will still have that, and you know, what we will usually do is offer an A and a B cover on um, just about all of our major titles, so that the fan who is interested in in that cover to see to see that woman for, displayed in that way mm-hmm. can get that. Cool. But the fan who's interested in the story and may or the retailer and comic book shop that still wants to offer something on their shelves that isn't too risque mm-hmm. has another option themselves as well. Interesting. Great. Interesting. It seems interesting because it seems like you guys leverage kind of these storybook IPs the same way that a bigger company leverages their superhero IP in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Letting a, a writer tell us a, a, an interesting story while giving it a, a kind of shell that will allow it to get to more people i would i would say that's you know that's a good way of putting it mm-hmm. um we we've always been trying to grow into uh different realms mm-hmm. and yes like i mean fairy tales is the world in which we tell our stories mm-hmm. and we're going to continue to grow into different universes and different realms and different stories that way and it, it it is it's an opportunity because there are fan bases that are going to are going to want the Jungle Book no matter how it's told, mm-hmm. and we don't want to 
you know, uh, turn them off per se, but we also we, we want them to pay attention. And then we want the fans, the Zenoscope fans to pay attention. And I would say that it's it's interesting coming from a, you know, me coming from a video game background and then coming from a all I read was Iron Man before I joined Zenoscope. Yeah. You know, I read I read Iron Man, Walking Dead, and uh, Scott Pilgrim, <laughs> and you know, okay, you know, th- so Steve, um, your Steve has read more than I have of Zenoscope products. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the record, I do buy all the racy covers, <laughs> so you can you can lump me in in that category. Well, if it gets that's someone new fine. to sample the book, yeah, and then they they read it and then continue to buy, well, then my, that's mission accomplished yeah my whole thing with i mean i initially i'll admit that that was definitely a selling point for me because i mean you know who doesn't like a little bit of uh something something but (laughs) but it's the the content of the books i mean i i started with grim's fairy tales and i i love horror i i've been obsessed with fairy tales ever since since i was a child um, I didn't have a lot of nighttime storybooks when I was growing up. My parents, my mom in particular, read me fairy tales. That was what I grew up on. I had the old books, all of that stuff. So when I found Zenoscope and I found that they were doing like, you know, the versions that were closer to the original fairy tales, I was excited. And then you had the blood and then you had, you know, the mystery elements and such. And uh, it was just it's a it's a cool mixture that if you're if you're into that kind of thing or you just like good stories, it's mm-hmm. you know, it's something worth checking out. But one of the other um, you mentioned a massive property that's very popular at Zenoscope right now, which is uh, the Wonderland series. Mm-hmm. And obviously you just launched, um, I think, like two months or three months back, the new Alice in Wonderland series, which has been selling out all over the place. Yep. But there's also um Quite a number of other things you have. I want to know how you have a series coming out. It's a four-issue run uh, miniseries that is going to be setting up the events of an ongoing Alice in Wonderland series called Call of Wonderland. And mm-hmm. I wanted to know how the two of those coincide with each other and why people should be reading both in order to be like fully informed of the events that will happen in those books. Well, absolutely. Um, now, first, uh, we, I want to start out by saying now Alice in Wonderland is a prequel to the Wonderland trilogy that we've already, you know, we've, we've had out there for a while, which is uh, Return to Wonderland, Escape from uh, Wonderland, and Beyond Wonderland. Um, and that is the trilogy that follows Callie, um, and that is Alice's daughter. And, it fo- you know, Alice is in there, but it follows her daughter more through her escapades through the horrific world that is our Wonderland. Yeah, it's pretty horrific. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, Last year, we had the Dream Eater Saga. And the Dream Eater Saga was our very first crossover event in yes. which we brought together all of our universes, all of our, you know, Wonderland, Neverland, uh, Grim Fairy Tales. You know, uh, everybody was coming in and being affected by that saga. It was so confusing. <laughs> I tried to read it and I was like, oh my God, I feel like I have to read all this other stuff first. But it, I, I will go back to it eventually. But moving on. Well, we, we, we understand that. You know, there, there are fans that, that just didn't follow everything, but that's one of our most successful series so far. So nice. we want to make sure that we, we take what, if, what happened in that event seriously. Mm-hmm. So uh, reading that event, you'll find out that some people no, are no longer with us. 
<laughs> as is the case in a lot of our comics. <laughs> yeah. You meet somebody and then they're gone. <laughs> and it's fun to see the story of how that happens. Um, but yeah, so Wonder, the Wonderland universe, as we are presenting it in Alice as a prequel, and as we present it through the Wonderland tr- trilogy and through the Dream Eater saga, there's a lot of creatures that no longer exist. And we don't want you to walk into a Wonderland universe, a horrific Wonderland universe, with nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> so, Call of Wonderland is going to be a four-part uh, prequel to the, yeah, well, really a four-part introduction to the Wonderland ongoing series. And, of course, you know, Wonderland fans are very excited for the ongoing. They'll be able to, you know, collect that on a monthly story that's going to continue on and on and and. We're very excited for that as well. Mm-hmm. But Call of Wonderland will be written by Dan Wickline, who was uh, involved in uh, the Tales from, uh, Tales from Wonderland storylines uh, to tell more character-focused stories in the Wonderland universe. Okay. And it's really neat for us because Call of Wonderland is going to kind of reintroduce you not only to the universe, but to the characters. So, you know, you're going to re- um, we're going to re-welcome into the world the Queen of Hearts and who she is and what she's doing in that world. Because Grim, our uh, Xenoscope's Wonderland and Xenoscope's Grim Fairy Tales, Alice is not Alice from Disney's Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Alice is Alice Little right. from The Little House, which is another, you know, is a story, a background story that leads into the Wonderland universe. So you need to understand that that our characters are coming from the real world. Right. They're coming from, you know, a, a, a Earth and being drawn into these other universes that um, are, you know, are throwing their worlds asunder and, and, and affecting them in so, so, such severe ways. So Call of Wonderland is very important for, for fans who have read the series from cover to cover to brand new fans that just want to jump in because they're going to be able to be introduced to our world, understand how we tell our stories, and start picking favorites. <laughs> so <laughs> when Wonderland 1 kicks off, you can you can back somebody and you can be ready to go. Right. When um, I'm curious, when was the decision made that, um, I mean, the Wonderland series has been successful anyway, with the compartmentalized uh, volumes and stories, like when was the decision handed down that they would make an ongoing and it would just continue rather than telling like one precise story? Well, I think the, after the trilogy was completed, there was, there was already talk that, you know, there is, there is a very passionate fan base that wants to, wants to experience that world more and more. And, you know, they, the Wonderland trilogy is still one of the better-selling books that we publish. Uh, we, you know, we do reprints of the uh, trades, and uh, people talk about it a lot. It actually sells well uh, digitally through Comixology. Mm. So, we wanted to make sure that we were still giving them something. Um, so, the Wonderland ongoing, I think, was was always in plans once we realized the fan base was 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 asking for it yeah the demand for it and everything i mean it's it's huge right now Um, and i and i have to say you know one of the things that coming into the company you know starting in december i i jumped in at the holiday rush and you know and this company is you know last year they they almost doubled the amount of stuff they were coming out with and this year we're probably doubling what we had in 2011 so we're we're rapidly growing, 
But the most important thing that Ralph and Joe have constantly told me and the, the biggest reason that I was brought in was because we have such an engaged, such a uh, passionate fan base that just that just wants to be involved. They want to be a part of the conversation. They want to be, you know, doing things with us. And they, they want to be able to tell us, you know, what they like and what they don't. And we felt before I was coming in, they felt that they weren't getting enough of that that engagement. Right. Um, so I think, you know, now that we're, we're getting this out there and the fans are going to be able to get their hands on it, I just can't wait to hear what they have to say about it and, and how they, the, how they enjoy it. Well, I know I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, I've got one more Wonderland question and then we'll move on to, uh, something else, but I hear that there is a Wonderland board game that is going to be released relatively soon. That is correct. Yeah. We, uh, just made the official, um, press release, uh, announcement just the end of last week. So uh, the Wonderland board game is uh, going to be coming out. We're hoping um, and working very, very hard to get it ready for San Diego Comic-Con because we want it to be something, you know, you can celebrate Wonderland ongoing by also having, you know, the Wonderland board game and the Alice action figure designed by Claymore. Um, You know, we want to make sure all the Wonderland fans can get their hands on, you know, anything and everything Wonderland. So uh, it's it's a big, it's a it's an exciting time for uh, Wonderland fans. And uh, the board game is going to be, um, you're going to have a, a variety of different characters to play as, uh, and it will be a uh, very much similar to our story. You'll be able to switch between the real world and Wonderland. Oh, cool! Uh, so it'll be a double-sided board. Um, you'll kind of, I, I don't want to give away too much in the story because we're still writing the rules. So <laughs> I don't want to well, tell you. Say, um, it looked to me like it was one of those like big RPGs with cards and like, it's going to be pretty involved. It's not just going to be like an unpack and play. Like, um, what are some of those oh, like Monopoly or something? No, 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 no. It, I mean, it looked impressive. It almost looked like Clue, but with, you know, Wonderland <laughs> giant things. I don't know. I Ri- saw it. It's Risk. <laughs> I saw a picture of it, and it looked like something that I would like. It's actually Riskopoly. Like I was like, I need six friends to play this thing, and it's going to be awesome. Now you can play. I think it's up to up to six players. See, Um, and and great. You know, you jump in. uh, We're excited about you know the different ways to play the game. Um, I believe we're still. There's some of the rules that I'm not clear on. I have not yet gotten to play the game. We're still, you know, kind of in the process, and it was played just before I got in, and now it's it's you know in the process. We're too busy, you know, making it to to play around with it. But um, there will be like each character will kind of have a have a goal in in mind on the board, and uh, there are event cards, there are uh, boss cards, and um, each characters will be trying to meet their goals while trying to also um, keep the other player from uh, progressing. Now, I'm right. sure you thought of this already. You're going to put a copy of the comic in the box for the game, right? <laughs> well, uh-huh. we we have uh, been discussing that. There okay, there is good. going to be. Um, we're we're looking into some kind of option for a maybe it might be an exclusive that we release around the same time as the board game. It might be a comic with the board game, but uh, there will be a some sort of comic tie-in that's involved with the board game in some way, whether it be an exclusive cover or something like that. We definitely want to make sure the fans know that this is it's not just a board game, it is a comic as well. I, keep, I can't help it. I keep thinking of Jumanji. 
I'm like wait, waiting for for Xenoscope Jumanji gets sucked into the world of Wonderland, or Wonderland escapes into our world. That'd be awesome. The well, Mad Hatter and Cheshire Cat and everything. Yeah, you're not you're not that far off. <laughs> sure, cool I mean, that? it's not going to be a movie starring Robin Williams. No, it could star me. I'll I'll do you, it. You could you could get sucked in. You could be in one of the books next month. I want to play. Could, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Okay, I'm going to move on to our last and my my favorite of the announcements that uh, you do in fact have a Kickstarter event going on for the animation of Grimm's Fairy Tales. So let, tell us about that because I think that's just awesome. All right, so um, this this is very exciting. Uh, we we had decided. Um, that we had been in talks. Uh, our producer, uh, Ben Jackendoff, was talking with uh, John Schnepp. Who, uh, John Schnepp is the director of Metalocalypse. He's, you know, he works at Titmouse uh, Animation, or Titmouse Incorporated Animation Studio. And um, he was talking about wanting to do a, a horror adult, you know, not, not porn, but, you know, like, you know, a, a mature audience animation series Mm -hmm. and anthology no less and when you hear those kinds of things i guess in hollywood they see that as a risk Mm -hmm. you know they did heavy metal heavy metal is a cult classic but cult classic doesn't equal millions and millions of dollars transformers battleship equals hundreds of millions of dollars or at least that's what they spend their money on. Well, it's more than meets the eye. You can't Ah, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That's all right. Different company, uh, too. I thought it was funny. <laughs> you you got to get it in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, sorry, I ramble on occasion. No, so, go ahead. It's all right. Getting back to the Kickstarter. Uh, John and Ben and uh, Joe and Ralph started talking about, you know, what if we did the animated series? What if we did the Grim Fairy Tales animated series? And when John got to looking at our comics, he realized that this was, this was the, the world in which his anthology could live. And it was perfect for it because you can tell a a strong independent story in every episode while still telling a uh, extended and um, elongated epic throughout the series. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, that answered one of my questions. Actually, I was wondering if it was going to be um, like each individual episode would be a different tale, kind of like a um, like a Tales from the Crypt showcase with uh, Sila as the the host. Yeah, I, I would say that Sila will still be the star and, and focal point of the series and will still be, you know, the heroine we've all come to uh, know and love. But we still are looking at it as a as an anthology so that he can uh, so John can use the talent that is at Titmouch Animation Studio and let them take their different twists on our story. Right. So you're going to see a couple different animation styles in the anthology as well as have a couple different stories told. Now, that being said, this is a Kickstarter and the Kickstarter campaign, um, is specifically designed to take care of all of the assets that are necessary to build a series and offer the pilot. So we're not, we can't tell you that if the Kickstarter is funded at exactly our goal, we can give you an entire series. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that, that's not where we're at. Yeah. Um, what we are saying is that you're going to be helping us build the series, and we are going to give you, at the very least, the pilot. Yes. 
awesome. And then with all of the backing, that's going to help us move forward to try to create the entire series. Mm-hmm. Now, once let's say let's say hypothetically and hopefully that it does uh, come to fruition, where could people expect to see it? Will it be released online or will it actually be on television? Now, that is a, a dangerous question for me to answer <laughs> <laughs> because oh, we we don't know. Uh, we do know that we would offer anyone who is getting a is backing the Kickstarter um, up to at at right now we have even offered it as low as fifteen dollars. We'll get the complete series that has been funded. So if you if it's one hundred seventy five thousand dollars, we are going to give you the pilot digitally, and that might be through iTunes. It might be through a you know uh, just an email. We transfer accounts so that you have a you have the series on your computer. Mm-hmm. Going forward, there are other places we would like to be. Um, Titmouse is where we want to be. We would love to be on Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. We would love to be, you know, a a featured show on a television, you know, on the TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why we are asking for a significant amount of money to prepare to create that. Mm-hmm. You know that series for for that um, that level of quality that would be required for a television um, level show. Right, right. But um, as Bobby was saying, I mean, if there's any time to do it, now is the time to do it. Sort of capitalizing on all this hype about fairy tales. So that's correct. And then we really felt like this was this was the opportunity. We came in two days after Double Fine set the record in Kickstarter. Oh, wow. So Interesting. We were, you know, I personally was a, I'm a big fan of Kickstarter itself. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the website. I appreciate what they're doing. And, I mean, in, in a strange sense, a Kickstarter is what I am to Zenoscope. Kickstarter is the ability to support and champion creativity. Mm-hmm. Through art, music, movies, video games, you know, wherever you want. If you look, you'll find something you'll like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, like, that's, that was my dream job. I am now working in my dream job because every day I get to champion creativity. I get to champion, you know, art. And, you know, whether it be sexy ladies in uh, scantily clad outfits on oh, one yeah. cover or, <laughs> which, you know, thank you, Steve, for supporting that. Yeah, I love it. And um, or whether it be, you know, the the gripping tale in the story of Jungle Book or in the story of Wonderland. It's it's a wide variety. So um, so we're we're very happy to be there right now. And and we're seeing a lot of support. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, got uh, we, you got some major you had a major announcement today that uh, someone has joined the cast quite possibly. Is that right? That is correct. So um, to to clarify, as as you know, if if the Kickstarter isn't funded, um, and people who are supporting the Kickstarter, some of them are brand new, so they don't even know. Uh, the Kickstarter, you will not be charged a dime if you pledge to support the Kickstarter unless it is fully funded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what you know, the important part of that means, if we don't meet our goal, we don't get a dime. Right. You know, so, so all the support we may get, if it's not 100%, it's zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we wanted to make sure we were offering the highest quality animated series we can get. So that's why we are partnering with Titmouse Animation Studios. They, you know, they do Metalocalypse, they do Venture Brothers, they do, you know, shows that are on TV, on Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why we have um, John Schnepp being the director, and that's why we've been searching talent. 
And uh, we did announce last week that we have uh, Brianna Evigan, who is currently um, on uh, the movie The Devil's Carnival, which she is um, currently on the press run. She's marketing the heck out of that uh, movie, which I hear is actually very cool. I haven't got to see it yet. Hmm. And today we were able to announce that the superstar um, of, you know, Game of Thrones fame, of 300 fame, of Terminator, the Sarah Connors Chronicle fame, Lena Headey, is actually going oh. to uh, be yes. the lead voice actor. And she's going to and be Sela. She's got the in perfect voice. The Grim Fairy Tales animated series. Perfect. So yeah, good. and that's that's all we keep hearing is that every time you know we say that they're like, yes, if I could yeah. pick anyone in the world to voice Sela, that's who I want. Well, Sela is always, I mean, me personally, I don't know what anybody else at Zenoscope thinks, but I've always seen her as kind of like a like Snow White if she was a superhero mixed with Zatanna. That's that's the way <laughs> okay. that I've always. She's got this like calm, cool about her, but she's very mysterious and she kicks a lot of ass. And she's always popping up to, you know, ward people off of things. And mm. she just, she seems to come and go as she pleases, kind of like a superhero would just bop in and out of situations. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, absolutely. And I, we feel the same way. I mean, as much as we have not been a, a you know, tights and capes company, we do see that some of our characters are, you know, we do female heroes, you know, heroines better than a lot of the major you know, comic book companies. I agree with that, actually. And yes. and there's a lot, we have a lot of women readers, you know, that's something that comic books industry has a hard time, you know, finding is is getting a strong woman readership. And uh, and we have a strong uh, female fan base. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it, we definitely feel like Sela is, is, she is the quiet riot. She is. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think she definitely has a semblance of being the superhero. She is definitely in the moral right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's always out there trying to tell people, hey, you know, you don't want to do that. <laughs> and yeah. then if they, you know, if they say, uh, well, I'm going to, then she's like, well, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, Xenoscope, especially the Grimm's Fairy Tales, has always been about, like, words of caution. You know, tale, tales of caution. And basically that if you do this, this could happen. And you decisions that you make now could affect you and others for the rest of your life. You'll have to live with them. And that's mm-hmm. always kind of been the theme of the Grimm's fairy tales. That's why it's, it's always resonated with every generation because the stories always prove true regardless of, of when you're living, you know, these stories are as old as, as it gets and they just, they're, they're still true to today. So Absolutely. I, I, think, I think it's an and awesome that's, platform. I think that's why we, you know, we do seem to be continually growing. You know, our fan base is is reading, they're loving it, and they're they're sharing it with their friends. And now, you know, being on Comixology, having our own Xenoscope app, you know, people are, are finding us easier um, mm-hmm. and and finding finding that they enjoy it. So, you know, we're happy about that. And and as you know, going back to the Kickstarter, we are you know, we're currently, I think we're at about a third funded, which is, which is absolutely great. Awesome. But now we are, you know, we're in that final, final three weeks. Um, it is, it's going until um, May 1st. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if anyone who is interested in pledging or has pledged and uh, needs to know what to do, it's just getting the word out and getting people to support it as well. Because if, if you've given, you want it to happen and we want it to happen, and the best part is, you know, for a, a dollar or for $10,000, you are going to get something awesome. Mm-hmm. 
Like that's that was our big thing. It's like if we're going to do a Kickstarter campaign, we don't want to tell you give us a hundred dollars and we'll give you a keychain. <laughs> now you know fifteen dollars gets you the series. Yeah, no, the pa- yeah. the packages I've seen them. They're they're very generous. They're very nice. Mm-hmm. And what's great about Kickstarter is that you can sh- it shows people that you have a passionate fan base who are willing to uh, watch your stuff without sight unseen. You know, and mm-hmm. yep. pay for your stuff sight unseen. So that's that's a great thing. Yeah, and and I mean the hard part is of course you know like it is it is you know we are giving you products and you are paying money for those now we are asking you to basically pre-buy a product for twice as much as you would generally pay mm-hmm. and and we are you know as I said we are seeing the support and what's what's so amazing about where we're at is that we have about four hundred people who've who've uh, who've pledged but at an average of more than I could give, <laughs> you know, like people are just, there's, there's one of our fans who's given like something like $5,000. Oh, wow. And That's he, awesome. and he wants to be, he, he's going to be a, uh, a be voice drunk. and likeness in the series. That's he's going to get a whole bunch of awesome stuff. And, you know, like I, he, he gave and the whole office was like, you got to be kidding me. How, how do you have this money? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he, he responded and just said, he's like, oh, you know, like I, I've always loved you guys. I've always wanted to support you as much as I can. And this, I, I finally found the opportunity to, you know, state with one loud voice. Yeah, I'm absolutely 100% behind Cinescope. Man, we so got to get was very, very cool. talking comics. Yeah. <laughs> 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 absolutely. Um, so we will, um, you can find the link to the, Kickstarter on in the show notes for this week's show. So if you guys, we recommend you go and take a look and see if you guys want to donate to that. Um, we talked a lot about Zenoscope. Before that, you go. We got. I want to ask you, Stephen, what other books do you read other than Zenoscope books? Uh, well, right now I'm on a uh, a kick back to my childhood, and I am reading the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm. Nice um, from uh, IDW. Um, working at Zenoscope, of course, I get to read. Zenoscope book, so you know I really enjoy Jungle Book. Um, I'm enjoying Alice, and um, if you if you never checked it out, uh, Raven Gregory did a, a graphic novel uh, for us uh, called Fly. Oh my God, that's the one thing that I wasn't going to ask when I wanted to ask about. I was going to skip it, but I'm going to ask anyway. Okay, when, go ahead. Oh, when, that was my favorite thing that Zenoscope ever did. When is the sequel to that coming out? Okay, so yes, we 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 don't have an official announcement to no! make. <laughs> but I don't think you've seen the last of it. Oh, can I be in that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you never know. It's, if things get tight, you might see it in I'll Kickstarter. T- I'll, t- I'll, talk yeah. to, I'll talk to Raven Gregory. We'll, we'll chat. We'll, we'll Twitter. Uh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. But yeah, no, that's that's one of them. I've I've read. I've actually read it a few times now. And uh, so good. one of the cool parts, like you know, we. You, you get into this industry and, you know, you find the little things to be important. And, uh, like, I got my business cards with Xenoscope on them, and you get to pick an image of anything from any Xenoscope book to have on your business card. And I had to pick uh, the scene from Fly when they're, they're flying and kissing in front of the moon. That's awesome. Um, that's exactly just that one of the most beautiful images um, I've seen. And, you know, I, I'm... I was married in 2010. You know, I'm still um, I'm still very much in the honeymoon phase, and uh, very much love my wife. And it's just you know, it's just a romantic scene that I, I could never, I wouldn't have ma- imagined. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, I, I couldn't have seen it any other way. So yeah, that's that's really cool. So 
Awesome. I, I know. I get. I get. Um, I'm an emotional guy, so I, I kind of get <laughs> kind of get involved in you know all those thoughts. But uh, it's just it's really cool. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for being here. Um, it was great to hear about all this stuff. I mean, I know Steve's really deep in it, but I don't know that much about it. So it was great to hear and kind of get familiar yeah, with the for company. Us too. Yeah. I've got tons of books for you to borrow. Okay. Tons. <laughs> I got a lot of books to read, too. So, <laughs> um, But, Steve, thank you so much for being here. Um, the Kickstarter, uh, Grim Fairy Tales, obviously. Um, and uh, any big stuff you want to talk about coming out in the next couple of weeks? Uh, well, as I said, we've got the Wonderland um, ongoing that's announced. Um, but, actually, the one thing that I wanted to give to Talking Comics was an exclusive. And so uh, we will be uh, announcing this soon. Um, but as I was saying, one of the focuses of Zenoscope Entertainment is to really offer something for our fan base and to, you know, continue to be a fan service uh, publishing company. So um, we are soon going to be uh, releasing this April a, a video web series. It's going to be uh, an all, all YouTube, all free, all available online of the, uh, basically, we haven't even given it a name yet. Uh, I'll just basically call it, it, it's the Grim Fairy Tales uh, Zenoscope Office. So mm -hmm. you'll be able to see what it's like to work in the office, but uh, the unique part about it is that our animated characters, or excuse me, our uh, comic book characters are working alongside us in the office. So you will <laughs> just see how crazy it is to work with our Alice, or our Mad Hatter, or our That's Madison funny. from That's The Waking. Cool. Cool so yeah, we, that's going to be uh, starting soon. It'll be uh, we're going to be premiering it uh, all through our YouTube page, um, likely every Wednesday night around 5 p.m. Um, we haven't announced the the official start, uh, but I would expect it uh, maybe next week. Nice, awesome. So there we go. Exclusive. Thank you. <laughs> Special. Um, thank you so much for being here, uh, Steve. Um, and uh, we shall talk to you later. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. Of course. Thank you. Had no problem. All right. All right. I want to thank Steve again for being here. That was great. And I hope you guys learned as much as we did about Zenoscope. And if you're into Zenoscope, I hope that you guys got some stuff out of that too because they announced some pretty cool stuff um, yes. right here on the show. Exclusive. Can we say exclusive? Exclusive. Yeah, exclusive. exclusive. We need a sound effect for that. Yeah. Can we have like explosions and stuff and then a really disaffected female voice? Yes. Exclusive. We'll just hire somebody <laughs> from, from uh, Showtime. Yeah. Get some, uh, what is that, Cinemax? Skinemax? Oh, Skinemax? Skinemax. Like the Red Shoe Diaries? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Taxi Cab Confessions. Well, that, I think that's HBO. Is that your sexy voice? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was the voice he closed with last week it's as like you, Batman actually. It's like Batman voice, yeah. but... No, I don't... Don't get me started. That's not a Batman Don't voice. Don't get me started. Well, Bat it was like Batman no. voice, but no, and then I couldn't find a word. It sounds sort of like the narrator for like those like night like Dateline shows or Nightline shows are like they had the perfect marriage, <laughs> but then oh. everything turned to poop. Yeah. And then Dateline NBC. Yeah, yeah, photograph negative shot. You know, they make the yeah. photograph negative where it's yeah. all white. <laughs> Durr, da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, now that we've gone exceptionally off topic, yes, that's as fine. that's the best. All right, so it's true. Dun, um, dun, dun. <laughs> I don't know what that. Was. I love me some banter. <laughs> banter is good. 
All right, so here we go. But it's not um, as good as new releases. No, it's not as good as new releases. So from Boom Studios, we have Adventure Time number three. Hell yeah. I think uh, Steve should actually just make a ka-ching noise every time he plans on buying something. <laughs> okay, you want to yeah. do that? All right. Uh, we have Clive Barker's Hellraiser Annual number one. Um, and we have Rich Johnston's Iron Muslim number one. That sounds <laughs> fucking awesome. So there you go. Um, from Dark Horse, we have Alabaster Wolves, number one. Ooh. Yes. Alabaster. Alabaster. We have Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season nine, number Ching. eight. We have Conan the Barbarian, number three. We have Dark Matter, number four of four. We have Lobster Johnson, the Burning Hand, number four of five. Yes. Rock Lobster. <laughs> we have Orchid, number six. We have Star Wars, Agent of the Empire, Iron Eclipse, number five, and Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, War, number four of five. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Was that your Star Wars blaster one. noise? Yes. Yeah. Um, There's a really funny video. Um, it, just went, it went viral um, yesterday, actually, which is they did this Titanic 3D thing, but they did if George Lucas and J.J. Abrams yes, and uh, no, who was that. the other person that was involved in it? I don't remember the third director. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. We're all yeah. we're all doing it. We're like remastering yeah. it. And they put all the all these lens flares on all the J.J. Abrams yeah. shots and they had explosions <laughs> in for the People Michael Bay. People falling into the water exploding. Yeah, the, for the Michael Bay portion. <laughs> oh and they put a stormtrooper on the deck of yes. the Titanic. And that was really good. The way yeah. they spliced them in was really good. They're um, shooting at Billy Zane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drop your weapon. All right, um, now we got to find it and post it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's really funny. Um, from DC Comics, we have Batgirl number eight. Ching. Ka-ching. We have Batman and Robin number eight. Ching. Um, Batman Arkham Unhinged number one. I'm not one. doing the ching every fucking time. No. I'm down with that. All right. Batwoman number eight. Yes. Uh, Deathstroke number eight. Boo. Demon Knights number eight. Yay. Frankenstein Agent of Shade number Woo-hoo. eight. Green Lantern number eight. Uh, Grifter number eight. Hmm. Um, I vampire trade paperback. I so, have them all, but r- yay. That's a that's cool though. That's coming out though. Legion Lost number eight. Um, Mister Terrific number eight, which is its final issue. Uh, <laughs> Northlanders number fifty. Resurrection Man number eight. Saucer- Resurrection Man. <laughs> Resur- Bob Seger. Resurrection Man. Yeah, that's that the cover. Um, Saucer. No, Country. we're not drunk, everyone. No, not at all. No, we queens? haven't done that yet. It would be no, so much worse that. if we were drunk. Saucer Country number two. <laughs> yeah. Shade number seven of 12. Suicide Squad number eight. Yay. Su- Superboy number eight. And Unwritten number 36. Um, from Dynamite, we have Bionic Woman number one. We have Kevin Smith's Bionic Man number eight. We have Lord of the Jungle number three. Um, we have the Trey Fairback of Terminator Robocop Kill Human. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no punctuation in this, by the way, so... <laughs> it seems like Terminator is modifying RoboCop. Nice. Okay. You know, that's what it seems like. Terminator RoboCop. Yeah. Uh, Vampirella versus Dracula, number three of six. Um, Crossover Central over there. I bought yeah. issue one, haven't read it. I didn't even know it was still going. <laughs> I should probably catch up on that. And then from IDW, we have Cobra, number 12, Danger Girl Revolver, number three, um, Infestation 2, number two, um, Smoke and Mirrors, number two. Sweet. Which we all know has a <laughs> mystical Steve Jobs person. And I did read it. I Billy enjoyed Wonka. it. I thought it was cool. All right. Steve Jobs, Willy Wonka. Um, <laughs> from Image, we have 68 Scars, number one of four. We have America's Got Powers, number one of six. Looking forward to that. Artifacts, number 16. Epoch, number five of five. Glory, number 25. Haunt, number 23. 
Peter Panzerfaust, number three. Yeah. Saga, number two. Yeah. Secret, number one. We have the hardcover of Severed. We have also have the trade paperback of The Strange Talent of Luther Strode. Yes. And we have hmm. Thief of Thieves, number three, coming out. I feel like that book comes out every other day. Hmm. You might I'm, be still wrong. Ex- I'm still excited about it, though. You might be wrong about that. Um, yep. We have Amazing Spider-Man Hookie, number one. That's an old story. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, was, I looked it up. I was really confused, but they're reselling it. So oh, okay. I figured we, sh- we should Ching. bring it up. Um, Avengers Assemble, number two. Avengers, <clears throat> The Coming of the Avengers, number one. That just sounds can we Can we say the movie is coming out soon? So let's get as many Avengers That's what it is. Yeah, 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 I'm sure. Um, Avenging Spider-Man, number six. Which Ooh. is actually a it's a part of a three part event that Mark Way is doing for this Daredevil run. It's this um, Daredevil and Punisher are all part of the arc. Oh, that starts ooh starts this week. Does he write all three? Yeah, he writes all three. Okay, good. Um, I think I'm gonna give that a try. Then. Yeah, I'm sure it's him and I think him and Greg Rucka are writing it together. I think I think Greg Rucka's been writing the Punisher for ever right now. Um, Black Panther, the most dangerous man alive, the Kingpin of Wakanda. That's the trade paperback of the series that's now. Cancelled. Um, Carnage <laughs> USA number five of five. Yeah. The last part. I'm excited about that. Daredevil season one hardcover. Deadpool number 53. Bleh. We have Fantastic Four number 605. Oh, coming down the end. Um, Formic Wars Silent Strike number five. Halo Fall of Reach Invasion number three of four. Ugh. Journey into Mystery number 636. Marvel Universe Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes number one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mighty Thor, number 12.1. So you might, might be a good place to jump in on Thor right there if you're looking to do that. Um, New Avengers, number 24. Uh, let's see. Uh, Scarlet Spider, number four, which I'm very excited about. Secret Avengers, number 25. Secret Service, number one of seven. Spider-Man, the complete Ben Riley epic, volume four. Trey Paperback, <laughs> Bob's favorite. Yeah. Ultimate Comics <laughs> X-Men, number 10, which I believe Ultimate Comics X-Men is written by Nick Spencer. Yes, it is. I and believe. it is very political, but very good. Um, Uncanny X-Men, number 10. Um, Winter Soldier, number four. Yay. Wolverine, number 304. Oh, my God. It's a lot of stuff. My, a, my wallet is weeping. There's a lot of stuff coming out. Why? Um, from Zenoscope, <laughs> we have Grim Fairy Tales presents Alice in Wonderland, number four. Yeah. Um, theater, number five. Hmm. And Tales from Neverland, trade paperback. All right. Oh, seriously? Yeah, seriously. Unless this list is wrong. Hooray. So there you go. So that is it for our show this week. I want to thank uh, Stephen Haberman for coming on from Zenoscope Absolutely. once again. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us, info at talkingcomicbooks.com, Twitter at Talking Comics. Um, we also have a Facebook uh, page that you can like. Um, <laughs> we have reviews and everything going on talkingcomicbooks.com. If you want to leave comments on stories there, you obviously can. Um, and just thank you guys for listening. Um, we've had a couple of really good weeks, and I want to thank you guys for that. Um, so for Steve, good uh, um, evening or day or whatever, wherever you are. It's a great. Sign I off. wasn't prepared. It's a great. I'm sign sorry. Off. Goodbye, You're always every- first. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Bob, Avidozain, Stephanie. I almost felt like singing there, but I'll just say bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Oh. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, <laughs> to be continued. <laughs>